Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning. Scott Luton, Greg White, and Billy Taylor here with you on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Greg, how you doing? I'm doing great. Even better since Billy's here. I mean, not that you're not great, Scott, but how you doing, Billy? Good. If I was any better, Greg, I'd pay them to let me go to work. <laughs> All right. That's a new one. I've heard about 17,000 different, different iterations of that, and that's a new one for me, Billy. And, and of course, Greg... Of course, that would come from the one and only Billy Ray Taylor. So great to have you here on the Supply Chain Buzz, where we share some of the leading stories across global business. We're going to be discussing a variety, wide variety of topics and initiatives here today. So buckle up and get ready, because Greg and Billy, we want to hear from all the great folks in the audience like Josh and Brenda and Kavan. And we're going to give some more shout outs here momentarily. So uh, Billy and Greg, y'all ready to get down? We got, we got to share some programming notes. Is that okay with y'all too? Absolutely. Yeah, let's okay. do that. So uh, y'all see that Amanda, Catherine, and Chantel, the production team, big thanks for what you do. I got to make sure I get permission from Greg and Billy uh, to make sure as we work through all the different segments, uh, the bosses here. Okay. Right. So, <laughs> so let's uh, let's share a couple of things. So, Greg, this has been percolating for quite some time. We had a yep. great prep call late last week, uh, the latest one. Uh, the webinar tomorrow is free to attend June 14th at 12 noon. The link is going to be in the comments here momentarily. Can AI, Greg, be the unexpected ally for demand planners? What are you looking forward to tomorrow, Greg? Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it because I I believe it can. And uh, I've been a demand planner and I've built technology that served demand planners in the past. And I know what a thankless job that is, right? The saying goes, if you're overstocked, it's your fault. If you're out of stock, it's your fault. And if anything happens to go right and things go well, thank goodness to the sales team. <laughs> Billy, you're shaking your head as, as if you've maybe experienced that firsthand. Absolutely. You know, I, 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 I compare it to being an offensive lineman on a football team. Right? You only get recognized when you jump off sides, right? That's right, right. Or let the quarterback get sacked, no doubt. Right? Love that. But, Billy, we used Love to have that. meetings we called how did you hurt the company yesterday meetings. Yeah. Right. Yes. <laughs> That's pretty much what they were about. That's exactly it. So there's I mean, there's a huge opportunity to fix that. Of course, demand planners are trying to do the right things. And usually, frankly, it's because of the data or the tools that they have that they're unable to do a better job. Absolutely. And you know great. Good stuff. We gotta get Billy and Greg. We get your get your own webinar talking AI and, and all the football analogies that could come out of that. But folks, June fourteenth. That's tomorrow already. We're in mid June already. Twelve in Eastern time. You're not going to want to miss it. It's a live webinar, and uh, you got to sign up to join us. Uh, good thing is that is free of charge. Okay. Secondly, Greg. We've been talking about this quite some time. Our dear friend John Gold and the whole NRF team. Yeah, uh, one of the best things going when it comes to voices uh, for retail and modern, innovative, forward-looking retail. They've got Supply Chain 360 coming up just around the corner next week, June 20th, 21st, in Cleveland, Ohio, not too far from Billy's um, uh, neck of the woods. But Greg, 
What 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 are you looking most forward to about this event coming up? Well, it's it's an NRF event, which means quality anyway. The National Retail Federation, which probably ought to be called the International Retail Federation. I mean, biggest, most powerful, most um, I mean, strongest in terms of resources. And, and knowledge and do bring the world's retailers and their suppliers and their technology providers together every year at the big show. This is the supply chain version of the big show. Yep. And, that's right. Uh, completely focused on supply chain. It's, I mean, it's going to be qu- a ton of quality speakers, a lot of discussions. Um, I mean, it's, and a lot of knowledge shared. So it's going to be really incredible. If you're a retailer, you better be there. It's the place to be. <laughs> it's a place to be other than the buzz next week, next Monday. Um, but really quick, Billy, you know, Cleveland, I think, um, how far is Cleveland from uh, um, Akron? So it's really about a 30 minute drive. Okay. That's a piece of cake. What should folks not miss the opportunity to do in Cleveland if they're making the trip? What's well, a combination of rock and roll hall of fames there. That's a attraction. Uh, those are in the theater. They have the, the, the playhouse square down, downtown. And in Akron, you have the NFL football hall of fame. So that 30 minute drive, you, you shouldn't miss that. My parents just came up this weekend for my son's graduation party and they had to hit the hall of fame. <laughs> that is awesome. Wait, did they really? Wow. That's cool. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> Shades of things to come, Billy. Yeah, is he, is he a football player, or no. maybe an owner. No. As my mom said, when we didn't make the grade, NFL stands for not for long. Right? <laughs> that is so yeah, true. So. Yeah. Well, so y'all check out NRF's Supply Chain 360 links in the comments, and of course we got we got um, on the ground market intel from uh, Billy Ray Taylor. Okay. So we've got a full crowd. Uh, I'm going to say hello to a few folks. We've got a couple new faces, Greg and Billy, which is always exciting. Uh, we'll lead off with Mr. Reliable, Josh Goody, tuned in from rainy Seattle. Uh, there was a comparison this morning, said it was colder here than in Alaska. Wow. Dang. What is that? that? Well, let's, let's know the temperature, Josh. Give us the full weather report. We've got to have the data, Josh Goody. We've got to have the data. <laughs> right. uh, hey, great to see you, Brenda Allen. Good morning, she says, from sunny Springfield, Tennessee, as they continue to ramp up production and fight the good fight in their company. Uh, great to see you again, Brenda. Enjoyed your perspective on Friday. Of course, Catherine, Chantel, and Amanda are here with us. Couldn't do anything without the uh, wonderful production team. Uh, Kavan, Mr. Uh, the new abnormal first, right. the first person I'd heard use that phrase was Kavan. So happy Monday to you, wherever you are, uh, Kavan. And let us know where you're tuned in today. Kavan. We haven't asked you that question in a while. Um, typically it's Iran, but what part of the country? Uh, let's see here, Greg and Billy, Sylvia, Judy, the great ambassador for supply chain in Charleston, South Carolina is here this Monday. Zero vessels on Anchorage and Charleston. How about that, Greg? Yeah, well, maybe we ought to sh- send a sh- few over from Savannah. Let me check Savannah <laughs> while we do that, while we're doing All that, right. and I'll give you an update on Savannah. We'll circle back on that. Uh, Jamez, Jamez or Jamez, uh, let me know which syllable to put the emphasis on. Um <laughs> You know me. Uh, my three kids give me um, my plenty of pronunciation problems. But, hey, welcome here today. I'm going to go with Jamez. Welcome, and let us know. Oh, you're tuned in from Raleigh-Durham via LinkedIn. Great to have you. Looking forward to your perspective throughout uh, today's conversation. Uh, Kanchen is back with us. 
Uh, they were with us last week as well. So great to see you. Remind us where you're tuned in from there via LinkedIn. Uh, Noman is tuned in via LinkedIn. Hey, let us know. We, we like to connect the dots. I think Greg is ready to give us that Savannah update. I'm I'm not Close. ready, but not I yet. have it. It's about 27 <laughs> vessels anchored. Wow. And, uh, numerous moving in and out of the port. Now, uh, what I've heard, and if there's anybody uh, at the Savannah port can confirm or refute this, is that they have a lift or two down at the port. But this is, by the way, enormous for that port um, and also counter to what all of the other ports around the country are experiencing, right? Mm. I mean, because shipping has largely stopped or come way, way down because of the shutdowns in China, Everyone else has cleared their docks or is clearing their docks. Um, so this is unfortunate <laughs> uh, kind of situation here, but I think maybe they're taking the opportunity for lower volume. I don't know if it went down for maintenance or it went down broken. Hmm. Tell you what, Scott, I, actually later in the week, I'm going to be in Savannah. So I will go take a look at the port. Please do. And, and send us up. back some beautiful bean footage. We want to see yeah. you at the Port of Savannah straightening everything out. Uh, so, <laughs> so, Billy, you're you're nodding your head. I bet you've been in and out of uh, various ports around the world. Uh, any quick comments? No. Uh, that's what Greg said. It's, it's chaotic. <laughs> right? It is. Yeah. It is. We got some work to do. Very volatile. Yeah. Gene Pledger from Northern Alabama is back with us. Gene, hope this finds you well. And folks, if you're not connected with Gene on LinkedIn or at least following him, do that. He shares some great yeah. content regularly. Uh, let's see here. Um, Mubarak is with us via LinkedIn from Nigeria. Welcome. Uh, look forward to your perspective here. Lisa Eccles is here from Memphis, Tennessee. We're just Memphis has been an ongoing trend in these live streams here lately. Uh, and then finally, Josh Goody. He's come back with the data. It's 50 degrees wow. outside his office. Wow. How about that? What did what did the two of you wake up to this morning? <laughs> it was hot. Billy? No, it was uh it was warm. It was warm. Wasn't quite hot yet in, in Ohio. 80. Well, yes. 80 at 6 a.m. Yeah. Mm -hmm. mm. I'm not sure what it was here, but it was hot and dripping with humidity. As I was wondering, start drinking cold coffee on the back patio. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so James, thank you very James, much. James, okay, James, just with a Z. I love that. All right, so James, welcome, welcome, and looking forward to your perspective. Tehran, uh, Kevan is in Tehran, uh, Iran. So great to see you. Um, as always, and that's of course that's the capital of the country. Right. So um, let us know. Give us an. We haven't gotten an update on what. Kavan has been up to. You know, he, he was earning his PhD. So right. give us the latest, uh, Kavan. Okay. Yeah, I'm waiting for him to put the letters behind his name in his <laughs> right. right in That's his, right. <laughs> profile. Yeah, well, you can do that. Once you have them, <laughs> do it. One last point here. Uh, Sylvia says, you know, we're talking ports, though in the labor strike with the dock workers in Germany, the hits do keep on coming for sure. Yeah, well, on a pen potentially pending one. Um, ILWU is That's right. Um, is whatever very on very shaky ground right now. That's right. Um, okay, so welcome everybody. No, we couldn't hit everybody. Welcome, welcome. We look forward to your perspective throughout today's conversation. It's a jam-packed conversation. We got a lot that me, Greg, and Billy are going to be working our way through, and we're going to start. We're going to start, folks, with um, a big topic. 
that has really uh, taken the markets by storm. Uh, got a lot of chatter, a lot of observations and interest, and that's all about this. Um, you know, this this hot news story from our friends at Retail Dive that involves some decisions that are being made over at Target. But in the bigger picture, Greg, as you as you've been speaking to this last week or so. Um, you know, it's not all about target. It's more about what we need to change in the bigger picture when it comes to global supply chain. So tell us more about this, and then we're going to circle back for Billy's take. So this was an interesting article that I uh, published a commentary on. I think, was it Wednesday, Scott? I believe it was Wednesday last yep. week. Really interesting uh, what's going on there. Uh, just two months ago or so, the um, leaders of supply chain and, and generally at executive leaders at, at Target were crowing about how superior they were and they were going to spend four to five billion dollars a month um, building up their fulfillment infrastructure and and they had just announced that they were going to spend billions and billions I don't know how many billions I don't know how many billions to say there but it, it was billions double or maybe even triple digit billions on their supply chain the year before and how good they were doing. And then in a rapid succession of, what should I say, uh, rapid succession of, of notifications, of guidance to the marketplace, they said, one, expect profits down and things like that. Three weeks later, when they had not announced uh, this next condition, they then said this, we've got all this excess inventory, we've misbought for the coming season and coming year, you know, and... Um, and aside, first of all, aside from the fact, let's not pick on Target. Right. Um, though one of their big investors, one of the big investments bank, banks who's invested in them, Quovatis, clearly has some very serious concerns about management, I believe. I'm interpreting what they said all the way to the top. Because I have never seen a company revise guidance twice in three weeks you know, during earnings season like that. So clearly they were either caught off guard or, um, you know, um, you know, I don't know, thought they had it under control and, and didn't, or worst case scenario, maybe they didn't reveal everything they should have during the first, mm. first guidance. So none of those are good things, and all of those reek of poor management. So, um, but let's, aside from Target, let's talk about this generally, and that's what this article is about, is this is a systemic problem not necessarily a target problem. This It is obviously being poorly managed at target, in my opinion, but it is a systemic problem. The way that goods are bought, um, the art over science in some cases of certain products, usually fashion products and short life cycle products, they have a ton of excess patio furniture, so go get it on sale at target. I bet <laughs> you it's going to be really soon. Not kidding. I'm, I'm a big fan because... <laughs> We have expensive patio sets, and we have a $250 patio set from Target that I bought for my wife for her 40th birthday, which was a while ago. And oh, we man. still have oh, it. Man. We still have it. It's in great condition. And I'm, I look out, out at the more expensive patio kit, and I think I could have bought five of these for, for what I paid for that, <laughs> that set. Right? Uh, but anyway... They have a ton of that. They misaligned in terms of apparel, as a lot of companies did, Kohl's, Walmart, and many, many others, and some who haven't yet reported earnings right. have reported that as well. So this isn't necessarily just a target thing, though their management of it is, is clearly in question. But 
really what this is about is how we use art in lieu of data, which is widely available for re retailers today and in lieu of science, which can help improve things like this. And a second factor, which is we continue to postcast, not forecast, we continue to postcast in retail where we look back at history and then try to interpret what some value, oh, it's gonna be 10% less because people are gonna be released from lockdown or whatever, instead of looking at the influencing factors on consumers for which there is a tremendous amount of robust data, adequate amount to do a much, much better job than this. So this really exposes a couple of those things. The um, commentary that I put on this article on Wednesday is uh, talks a lot about that and of course, dozens of comments on that point because we're all consumers or we all serve a retailer of some sort. Billy, you're, you're at a client Absolutely. now that serves automotive retail, right? So so we've, we have all been hit by this and will continue to be, but hey, at least for once, Scott, it's working yes. in the consumer's favor. I mean, That's if you right. really need patio furniture or sweats or yoga pants or any kind of fleece, they've got it at Target. Well, so, so much there. We could dedicate a couple hours, uh, I think, to the story and to your commentary because it did generate a ton. And, folks, we got a link in the comments. If you want to engage and give your take, of course, you can give it here. But you can also, um, you know, if you're, if, you're, if you're more of a typer than a speaker, check out the link and, and give us your two cents. Um, but, Billy, I want to come get, get your take here. Um, but right before I do, I think one of, one of the things that Greg pointed out uh, in the uh, LinkedIn post was how we're we're so committed and in, in, in many cases overcommitted to the physical infrastructure when we got yeah, all of these point. you know uh, data and modern technology and forward-looking technology that are sitting there they're ready to help but Billy your take well first uh, Greg thanks for the tip I just bought a house in Houston so we need patio furniture the wife right after this. Yeah, uh, yeah. Send her a text message. You know, I almost had a flashback as Greg was speaking. Uh, when we first started out, when I was in, actually working in Goodyear, we, we focused on SNOP, right? Sales and Operations Planning. And what we had to do to rectify this issue was sales and operations execution. And so basically we looked at, here's what we plan, but what's that frequency of checking in so you, you can uh, confirm you sold what you said so that we could stop the inventory bill. Mm -hmm. And so we actually implemented a process called the tilt process. So at some point when we saw that, that, that it go out of kilter, we called a tilt meeting so that we didn't keep building that bad inventory. And it goes back to those AI tools and things of that nature to give you that foresight into the market to help you do your forecasting, but also help you do your execution. And so both of those married together, SNOP, sales and sales and right, SNOP, the sales and planning for, right. and then the execution of that. You yep. got to have both. Got to have both. That sales and operations planning it is. It sounds like y'all have really had that that tuned in and dialed in, uh, Billy. Yeah. Um, so I go a little bit into that in this commentary. There's very little accountability, and one of the fatal flaws of of SNOP is that we still in many cases, particularly in retail, Billy, I can't really speak to manufacturing, but particularly in retail, we allow too much human intuition into the process, right? If the answer to how do you know that's going to sell is I just know, that's right. 
you know they don't <laughs> that's know. That's exactly right. <laughs> right. Yeah. right. Oh, that's so good. If the answer is I have good, I have it on good authority, data, science, whatever. Right. It's more believable. It'll be m- much more likely to be less wrong. But uh, there is so much human intuition in in SNOP and other planning processes. Because Billy, you know, we don't call it SNOP in retail, mm-hmm. um, but it's very, very similar process. We just call it planning process. So yes, yes. you le- lean on the gut in many and cases. And do we ever check prepared. it like Billy is is promoting? <laughs> Stuff just flows into the warehouse. And- Expect it. And checked it. Uh, all right, really quick, uh, just to, to close the loop here. Um, we've been talking about um, the broader issues here, but it all started with an article that came out via Retail Dive. Of course, other organizations I've been reporting on as well. But good stuff. Y'all check out that and let us know what you think. Thank you for sharing your takes, Greg and Billy. Uh, really quick, from the uh, cheap seats, I want to share a couple of quick comments here. T-squared. Uh, up in Baltimore, 90-degree club this morning. How about that? Hey, our dear friend Karai Kose, the one and only. Uh, and Karai, I hope this finds you well. He says, supply chain leaders must invest in building an advanced risk management function. It's not a choice, but a, for a survival decision at first and then a differentiator for success. Time to make a change into the new normal economy. How about that? Good stuff yeah, there. And, and, and when we're considering risk management, we have to consider something besides cost as the risk, mm. right? Reliability, sustainability, um, speed, mm-hmm. all of those things have to, be, right. have to be considered as well. And more. Yeah, the whole risk enchilada. Billy. And governance, right? You're, you have to have governance. And, and, and right? yeah. often, how, does it get thing, how do you get things to stick? It's through governance. Yeah. That's a good point. You know, along those lines, Billy, Greg and I sat down with a couple of compliance leaders from UPS. And I think, Greg, you and I both walked away with a whole new appreciation for experts in that space and how oftentimes they're untapped um, resources yeah. because folks hear the C word, that compliance, and they kind of, you know, pull away a bit. Shut but, down because um, what they yeah. hear is roadblocks. Right. right. Yes. And, and the difference, and they relate it really well, Billy, the difference that they relate is that the the not roadblock but the just a kind of check and balance instead of repairing something that's done after the fact is right. so much more valuable right because yep. nobody goes to prison if the compliance people <laughs> that's right <laughs> right i mean if you inadvertently do do business with a bad actor and we've talked about that i've i've done a commentary on that the us government the bureau of prisons inadvertently did business with a country in a way that was illegal and could have sent the the practitioners to prison man you got you got you got to um make friends with those compliance experts they'll keep you out of trouble um good morning eric from ecuador great to have you here today via linkedin uh let's see here uh, i think it's nice in ecuador of course not that we need a report but we'd appreciate it if you want to say <laughs> Korai, I think this is, commenting on patio furniture. Value, yep. not price, Greg White. How valuable was that patio set in those memorable <laughs> memorable events you hosted or just sat there sipping tequila and have wifey tell you how awesome this patio set is? Isn't that quite a visual? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it is. And, and it gets sat on almost every day still. I mean, it's not <laughs> like it's sitting there collecting dust. It's mm. getting a workout. Josh says there was a great article in last week's 
uh, economist called the not so supermarket comparing the sales consumption ratio on the shelves. It went in depth on food markets. A lot of interesting stuff going on in the food markets. Uh, I saw over the weekend that Smithfield is pulling out of California. I saw that um, what is this, the garlicky, really hot sauce that we put on um, our Vietnamese food? What's that? Sriracha. Yeah, yeah. Sriracha. Yes. Sriracha is not fulfilling any orders received after April until after Labor Day because they're having uh, drought problems with the peppers that go into it. It's, it's lots of stuff going on in the food markets. Uh, let's see here. Kavan, descriptive analytics, postcast, instead of predictive analytics, forecast. Preach it, brother. Amen. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Uh, uh, Kavan is a deacon at the First Church of Supply Chain Practitioners. I love that. <laughs> Clay, hey, uh, Diesel, well, welcome with us. Welcome. Hey, 11 games in a row for our Atlanta Braves. Wow. And yes, we're going to talk about the winning leak in just a minute. Uh, let's see here. John says, if Greg brings up his wife's birthday again, he will need to furnish a new apartment. <laughs> if, I, if I were to give away... What it actually, what the count is, definitely right, John. I hope you have an extra room. By the oh, way. John's on the money. I love that, yeah. John. Okay, so uh, so much good stuff to jump into. Uh, but Billy, I want to move right along. It's like I got about twelve twenty-five our time, Eastern time here, and of course we got to talk about something that really uh, supply chain leaders, business leaders, consumers, uh, you name it. We're all, it's all front and center. And that is the I word inflation. So here, based on a great read from Foley and Lardner LLP, Billy, you've got some tips on how companies can mitigate these increased prices, especially those that are, that are uh, impacting supply chains everywhere, right? Yes. And it really, Scott, it's a different way of thinking now, a different way of thinking about the supply chain, right? It's, it's around how do you shore that up, become more resilient, and companies used to be really bottom line focused and top line focused, right? They looked at their costs and you look at purchase price value, which, which you're paying your customer. Now it's difficult to get that back in the marketplace, especially in the automotive industry. But what's happening now with inflation, as you look at the labor, the labor workforce, we're actually bidding up labor participation, right? The labor participation rate today is the lowest since World War II. And so we're not getting people engaged in the workforce, and so we're paying more. If you look at the minimum wage, it's continuing to increase, where it was rather stagnant for a long time. That's still going into your top line. Your costs are going up. And think about supply chain the way we used to think about it. Even Wall Street and analysts, right? It's around that more resilient. They're putting pressure on the companies to optimize their supply chain. But what that means mm -hmm. now is right, you have to re start reshoring manufacturing capabilities, reshoring your inventory, because right now you, you're what I'm seeing, even in restaurants, margins are eroding, but revenue is growing. Right. And so how does that happen? Right. It's a volume play because you have it for people to purchase. And so right. companies and it goes back to what Greg and I were talking about. Healthy inventory. That accountability for that inventory. Mm, and right. when you start build, putting those systems in place and you can shore up bad inventory decisions, uh, you actually go after that labor because it's a different workforce now. The different workforce yeah. since COVID, COVID taught us how to live and work at the same time. 
And people don't yeah. want to shy away from that today, right? Even Elon Musk, as you saw in the recent posting, getting every, you know, mandating everyone come back to work. And, right. and, and people weren't resisting coming back to work. The transformation to living and working at the same time has taken root. And people want to both. Well and so companies now, what's that happy medium? Uh, it's not just in time inventory at this point. Right. And you know what? Global, right. global manufacturing now is expensive. It goes back to Greg, when you were talking about those vessels, we can't get the product off of the vessels. We have chip right. shortages. And so I'm going to pay more for those chips so that I can acquire them so that I can meet my market demand. And when companies start to embrace reshoring manufacturing capability, the bidding up labor, uh, maximizing their their supply chain through health inventory, they can counter this inflation piece. And then the purchase price value, they may take a hit now on their top line, but they can grow their bottom line to offset that increase through volume. Mm. Well said. Uh, a lot of good stuff there. Really quick, Greg, I want to get your take here. We're talking, um, we're getting Billy's uh, expertise and experience, but also uh, some of the uh, points that are made in this article from Foley and Lardner. And one of the things they touch on um, is uh, taking the opportunity to get with your suppliers or your customers and tie some of the, the price increases or decreases, in this case, mostly increases, right, to to va uh, uh, credible third-party indices. And this is something we did in the metal stamping industry with a very well-known um, uh, ATV and watercraft and, and beyond a manufacturer. We, tie, we tied probably 114 parts to uh, one of the steel indices, right? And we repriced every quarter. That way, they were protected. We were protected. Now, with that said, and it's accountable, right? right. And and it's credible and, and it's very transparent. These are published, you know, published numbers. Um, but you got to have the right relationships, right, with your suppliers and customers to agree to mutually take that step. It's really a test of that relationship. Anyway, uh, Greg, your take on ways that we're finding the battle inflation uh, right now? Buying less, finally. I think consumers are finally buying less, which will unquestionably throw us into recession. I mean, this this condition of rising labor rates, rising prices, rising prices will probably last longer than rising labor rates. Uh, let me qualify that, gentlemen, by saying not an economist, but right every bit as much as any economist is, which is almost never. So... Um, <laughs> So, so um, you can already see it starting to turn. You can feel people buckling their belts. I'm doing it. Don't know about you guys, but I'm being very cautious because things are too expensive. I've been very cautious, frankly, for months because the, the cost of things have just gotten ridiculous. And I, I'm willing to wait. I'm willing to wait till the prices come down or at least stop growing. And apparently we're going to have to wait a little bit longer because we just hit Congratulations to us in the United States. We just broke the 40-year barrier, and now we have the highest inflation rate in 41 years. We're all the way back to the 70s. So, wow! Congratulations to us. Um, <laughs> we seem to have no ability or clue where it's coming from or how to change it. We're blaming it on foreign governments and all all sorts of things. Um, so, it, I don't see that. You know, and, and we're trying to use monetary policy, which is going to be difficult to corral it at this point mm. um, because the trillions and trillions of dollars we put into play 
they're in consumers' hands. They're not right. on bonds or things like that. So, um, all right, it's going to be difficult, but I believe that the pendulum will start to swing back the other way. And Billy, this is just my opinion, and I don't think it's going to happen tomorrow. But I think people in fairly short order, I would say in the next 12 months or maybe even less, they'll be happy to go back to the office to have a job because I follow the technology markets and the startup markets and they are laying off people in droves, 10, 20, 40 percent of staff at technology companies, some of which just became unicorns, have plenty of money, but are still laying off staff because now they're looking at the very near future not the two to five year future mm. um, and being encouraged to buy investors like Billy, you were just talking about, right. And, and like the article talks about as well. So Billy, your quick, uh, quick re response. No, I, I agree. Uh, and, and right now it's that we're in that soft space. We're getting subsidized, right. Payments. We're getting all those things when all that dries up. Right now. Yeah you know, people are going to be more willing to go back in the office. They're going to be more willing uh, to be uh, active participants back in the workforce. Right. Uh, I don't think they should necessarily. I mean, there are only certain jobs that need to occur in person. Scott and I used to do this in person, solely in person. Absolutely. Now for over two years, God, Scott, for over two years, we have been doing it exclusively remotely. I think we've done a couple in person, right? At, we did in Florida yeah. a couple months back, but we're getting, we're slowly but surely getting back out. And we're going to touch more on, on mo our most recent excursion here lately. But Greg, great point. This has by and large been remotely. It's been adaptive, right? You, we, we've adapted yeah. to a new way of living and it goes back to working and living at the same time. People have become adaptive to this new way of living. And it's going right. to be hard to break, though. And I, like you said, Greg, I don't think that it's bad either. Right. right. There's a happy medium that somebody's going to have to find. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So on that note, I want to really quick. Uh, this is a non-sponsored tip, but we're all in the business of giving up resources. And one of our earliest uh, collaborators here at Supply Chain Out was Rod Shurkin and ProPurchaser.com. And going back to that point about finding credible third-party sources information that suppliers and customers alike can share. Y'all check that out. It's a great resource. Uh, and of course, there's lots of other ind indices out there, but Rod's a good, uh, smart guy. He's doing some good stuff. Okay. So uh, what's next? I want to share a couple quick comments. Man, we got some great comments here, Greg and Billy. Uh, I want to start with Sylvia. Sylvia makes a great point here because reshoring Oftentimes, folks are reading it that way, but they're in their mind, it's like made in America or made in the U.S. But she also brings up a broader point. It's not just U.S. conversations when it comes to reshoring, nearshoring, whatever. India has got uh, the conversations, initiatives, the EU. Australia. You know, this, these are Australia. These are global movements and conversations. And shameless plug here, Billy and Greg, we've got a great webinar coming up. Uh, not this coming week, but next week. I think that would be the let's see, thirteen oh, motto. Yeah. Yes, twenty second of June, and we'll drop the comment, uh, the link in the in the comment. But it's all about the rise of sovereign supply chains, and all we mean by that is it's the rise of reshoring and nearshoring conversations, especially reshoring. Uh, check us out because Laura, Madov, and Greg are going to be talking about why, what's driving this, and what's the why. 
uh, what you should know and how you can take actions for your organization's supply chain to uh, react or, or persevere through it. So uh, we're going to drop that link there. But Sylvia, great point here. Julia, Billy, need- if you get if, if you get a chance, sorry, Scott, if you get a yeah. chance, please watch that because I'd love to get if you could just put comments in the comments. I think it would be a great perspective on that because you know sovereign is the it is the far extreme of reshoring, right? Mm. It's basically excellent reshoring point. everything. Mm. That's an excellent point. And Billy, yes, we'd love to get your take. Um, Julia, need, we need creativity with technology to make supply chains flexible. Absolutely. I think this is a Korai again. Every once in a while, something you learn makes you viscerally angry. Like if you had the person in front of you, you'd want to pop them. No, I really mean it. And that, that was President Biden that Cora was just quoting about the nine leading global shippers apparently causing inflation surges. Now, Cora, we're going to talk. We're going to dive into that, talk about that. Yeah. in just in just a minute. So uh, get ready for that. OK. Um, and yes, June 22nd. Thank you, Amanda. June 22nd is the webinar about uh, uh, reshoring and, and sovereign supply chains. Um, brief departure from all the news going on across global business. Because, Billy, I am so excited. Greg and I and the whole team are so excited that what we've been working on for so long is here. And that is the launch of the Winning Link podcast with the first episode that dropped today on Supply Chain Now. It also dropped on the new uh, dedicated RSS link for the Winning Link podcast. So tell us, Billy, tell us you know, what do we talk about here and give us a sneak peek of things to come. So the winning link, it's really a platform for those those leaders and those processes to help companies grow, right? Those links to success. And so we're bringing on uh, leaders that are proven practitioners, not only in manufacturing, but in life. And so, you know, Drew Joyce, who's the uh, famed basketball coach of LeBron James, he's the winningest, winningest high school coach in Ohio history for wow. state championships. And Drew just, I mean, he drops jewels or nuggets uh, of success on how not only to, to, it's not really about basketball. It's about leading teams, driving success. And so on on each episode, I have Will Waller, who's the uh, CEO of the Wheelchair NBA. Uh, Will Waller was a young man that that grew up in the city of Chicago, overcame adversity of being shot a year after he graduated from high school, was a senior executive for Fortune 500, and now he's uh, leading by example, and he talks about how to do talent development. So we have a, a, a catalog of guests coming up that are links to success. And so these are a lot of fun. It's not theories on how to do it. These are people that have done it. Mm. And so they, they talk about more about their failures and their successes. Mm. Billy, they- go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I learn something every time I have a guest on. Uh, because they not they talk about their their how they overcame those challenges, not bragging about what they've accomplished. Yeah, so that's good. so true. And Billy, I tell you, you are um, you're a natural in navigating these conversations. I've you know, of course, I've sat beside you and 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 seen you in action, and of course, I've heard and checked out the latest episodes we'll be publishing. And I love how you focus on them, but then you add some of your own experience and expertise along the way, and of course, lots of references. To Miss Taylor, um, which we yeah. love, right? Yeah. Billy's mom, uh, and just you know all the Billyisms. I guess I'm gonna call it, uh, which make it real, you know, uh, 
learning, but also humorous at the same time. So, Greg, I'm with me, though. So don't, don't let's not skip <laughs> over that. We, we, we shot the first show at the high school gym, the LeBron James Arena. That's and right. Got traveled to uh, Akron, Ohio. Uh, we took them to some of the historical sites and restaurants. And uh, so it's you should join and see the episode. It's pretty good. It was awesome. We're going to do it again. Uh, it is. It was so neat to be in person and, and, and meet these folks in person, sit down and look in their eyeballs as they're telling a story. Uh, and, and telling their their how they persevered through a variety of setbacks to become some of the best in the business, as you point out, Billy. Um, Greg, I, I know that a lot of this stuff resonates with you, both on camera and behind the camera. Your take? Everybody needs a mentor, and Drew, just from what I've read about him, is kind of a modern day John Wooden. Mm. Right? It's about building character. It's about building, in his case, young men from boys. It's about you know, teaching them not just how to play basketball better, but how to live life better and how to be a better human. And I think that all comes out second to that, or probably more important in the sustainable aspect of this podcast is it's obvious just from watching the few minutes that I'm sure I'm to, to our audience that Billy Ray is a deep thinker, right? I mean, he thinks about these things at an incredible level of depth. He thinks about, unlike other people on the show, <laughs> he thinks about what he's going to say um, and how it's going to be interpreted and how to communicate it effectively as well. And it's a gift. I mean, it truly is a gift. So what I love when I, and you know, I get maybe a little bit of preview to these things. So what I love when I listen to a podcast is someone who can engage credibly with the guest and have an intelligent conversation, do more than just ask them questions, but kind of share a real conversation and real experiences and that's that's what you're going to get with the winning line so right man greg you nailed it man uh and plus billy loves people and man that comes out in each of these interviews it comes out if you ever spent time with uh billy taylor in person it, it's uh it's so true all right so we can't say enough so y'all have to hey don't take our word for it as uh, the one only lavar burton used to say Tune in yourself. Let us know what you think. Uh, Coach Drew Joyce, despite all of his successes, is just the most humble, real, genuine person that you'd ever love to break bread with. So check it out. Episode one of the Winning Link podcast. Check it on the main feed for the next couple of months, or you can look up the Winning Link uh, our, uh, podcast, wherever you get yours from, and subscribe so you don't miss a single thing. I promise you, you're not going to want to miss it. Okay. Uh, and Amanda, thank you very much. The winning leaks can be published every other Monday. So it's bi-weekly. There's two different definitions. I don't know if y'all knew this of the word bi-weekly. Uh, it could be twice yes. in the same week or once every other week. I learned that the hard way one day. Uh, so <laughs> you got to be on the same page, folks, with your suppliers sometimes. Uh, but Billy's episode uh, podcast will publish uh, every other Monday new episode. Okay, Sheldon says the stories of how we endure the valleys are just as important as the ones that tell how we scale the peaks. Man, Shakespearean. Yeah. What a philosopher Sheldon is. Seriously. Yes. I mean. Great to have you back too, Sheldon. Uh, yeah. Very important. And Sylvia says, similarly, overcoming challenges instead of bragging about one's accomplishments. Amazing. Amazing. Okay. So, Billy. That's what helps other people get to the peak. That's right. Is right. that. Absolutely. That's so true. 
Um, all right. So Billy, looking forward uh, to feedback on today's episode and the one that would, you know, all the rest of them will drop uh, every other Monday. So appreciate your partnership and collaboration there. Let's move right along. And we're going to try to tackle uh, Greg and Billy. Let's try to tackle this, let's say, over the next uh, seven or eight minutes. We've got a big story, Karai and some others we're already kind of speaking to. Yeah. And that deals with, uh, as reported by Supply Chain Dive, President Biden has visited the Port of L.A. And he's had some really strong words for our, uh, our friends over the ocean carriers. Quote, the ripoff is over, end quote. So, also, you should know he's pushing for passage of the Ocean Shipping Reform Act of 2022. I have not read all likely 3,427 pages. Uh, our team of attorneys may give us <laughs> their, their take on it soon. But I want to start here. Uh, Greg, I want to hear your take here uh, on the president's appearance and his thoughts. The ripoff is over. If only that were true. It, yeah, this is so multifaceted. Korai is already... Um, kind of spilled his thoughts on it. I think he's right. This is something that po- that not politicians, but supply chain professionals ought to handle. Biden is attempting to use one of the most impotent organizations in the federal government, the Federal Maritime Commission, who can't even get domestic companies to not charge demurrage when, when there's no reason to. They have no authority. They really have no power whatsoever. And international shipping companies are simply not going to, they're not going to pay mm. if we find them or whatever. They're just not going to pay. They haven't in the past and they won't in the future. So, it, and if we were to become, just imagine that this is successful and the United States becomes the lowest paying fr- ocean freight country on the planet. What do you think is going to happen? If somebody is going to pay $23,000 for a container and the U.S. is only going to pay $10,000, who are you going to ship to? Mm. I mean, th- this is very real supply and demand, and it's great for politicians you know, who have short-lived careers like the NFL. They're not here for long, <laughs> thankfully, for the most part, um, and who have to appeal to an ignorant constituency, and I don't mean stupid, I just mean ignorant of the depth and the truth of the facts, that they have to appeal to them and appease their concerns. And that's what he's doing here, which is great. That's what politicians do. I get it, but it's not going to change anything, mm. nothing. And, and, it's, and if it does, it won't be for the good. Mm. Billy, your thoughts? No, I agree with Greg, right? It's a short-term reaction. And it's staring things up, but it's not going to yield bottom line impact, sustainable bottom line impact. There you and, go. And so that's the biggest for me as I look at it, right? That's I don't have much confidence in in that statement personally, mm. because you're right, Greg. If you if people are not going that 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 price differentiation, it's just not going to happen. And this is not I'm going to take my ball and go home and again go. <laughs> That's, right. not gonna, that's not going to happen, right? This is real. This isn't. This is. And 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 when you look at it, coupled with everything that's happening out there in the world with inflation and supply chain disruptions, I just haven't heard the the you know the ripoff is is it's deeper yet. Anybody yes. Else? Well, I mean, look. There's one thing that will cause it to change when people stop paying the prices. It will change. But to your point, Billy, you said right now 
you have to be in stock. And these companies are paying a premium to be in stock mm. so that they can maintain the business that their less well-financed competitors maybe can't. Mm. So they'll reap the benefits long-term. And the other thing you have to acknowledge is that, yes, it is excessive. And don't get me wrong. These ocean carriers are crooks and not actual crooks. <laughs> well, maybe actual crooks, but, um, but they, they are definitely, Scott, what, um, they are definitely being opportunistic mm -hmm. while taking advantage of an opportunity. They are undoubtedly lining their pockets, but also they went several years without profit you beat me to because it. of the low cost of shipping. Yes. And this is the payback you beat me to it. for that. And no, no president wanted to give them money when they were losing money every year. But yet, every time somebody makes a profit, we want to take it away from them. So, um, you know, I, I empathize with Hal Lawton from Tractor Supply. You know, I'm a big fan of the company and the, the power and effectiveness of their supply right. chain. Um, and I empathize with whoever it was who very carefully worded their statement to say, we're not a huge company but we paid a hundred million dollars more in shipping and that's more uh that's more than we uh than our entire profit but he didn't say that they didn't also make a hundred million dollars profit right. or 90 million dollars profit because they of course pass those costs right on to us the consumers right, right? so yeah. the truth is companies don't pay high prices they don't pay taxes they pass them on to the consumers mm. we're the ones who are causing this, all of this inflation, because we keep buying at excessive prices. When we stop buying, they'll stop buying expensive containers and the prices will come down. So y'all uh, pay extra special attention in here in this picture from Getty Images and Supply Chain Nav in terms of what's behind President Biden, right? Yeah. Now y'all seen this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna readjust this here. And Sylvia points out, if you noticed the Biden speech had an evergreen vessel in the backdrop, one of the foreign-owned carriers that had two vessels, of course, ever given and ever forward. General average incidents shaking my head, she says, but she continues. Um, please remember, and Sylvia, look, Sylvia is in the the, the logistics business, the ocean shipping business, right? We we mentioned earlier, yeah, the ambassador yeah. of, of Charleston's uh, supply chain ecosystem. Sylvia says, please remember that all U.S. flag carriers are owned by foreign carriers. Don't get me started. Don't get me started. Okay. And then Josh adds, reading the speech, I feel like I'm giving myself a concussion with all the face palming. Basically, Homer Simpson, no, on repeat. Uh, that's a good image, Josh. There's been lots of, uh, lots that of that good. over the last couple of years. Um, okay. Well, you know, look, this is not a reflection on the current president. Right. This is a reflection on politicians in general, right. right? They have to appease the masses. They have to exaggerate and and have um you know quotable quotes so that so that they can they can keep us calm because part of this is i mean and this is one of the things that politicians have been and governments have been doing forever keep the people calm right right especially in um a, a federalist republic which the united states is not a democracy the myth that we've been taught since i was a child in a federalist republic where we can vote everyone out of office if we want to, they really have to appease the constituency. It doesn't take an overthrow. It doesn't take parliament. It doesn't take prime minister 
to change the government here. People at the voting booth can do that. So they are in a tough position and, you know, they all fall into the same trap. Right. Power corrupt. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. So, Billy, I want to get your final comment before I do here. Corrod uh, finish out the second half of his. I don't want to get too deep. He says, uh, maybe looking into the mirror in terms of our all of our politicians will help once in a while. Supply chain folks know best about that. Go supply chain experts. And, you know, right. um, I, I completely agree with you, Greg, because you know, it goes, the scrutiny comes with whomever is in the Oval Office. And we've seen pol politicians from every ilk latch on to the word supply chain and try to, you know, appear relevant and appear, but it really, oftentimes, I don't want to paint with too broad of a brush, oftentimes it's it's semantics and it's about staying in office, unfortunately, and, and, and very infrequently, or at least not frequently enough, about true actions that, that uh, takes care of the industry. But Billy, your final thoughts here, and then we're going to move on to our final thing of the day. No, I had a senior executive and uh, he, he, his comments to me around this, the whole situation around those vessels and, and supply chain disruption. Because we have a we don't have a political party issue. We have a problem in D.C. And it goes back to no matter who you are, what side you represent. Right. What's the solution? And we're not focusing squarely on that, hitting that mark. Right. And that's the issue. Because whenever he spoke around political affiliations, uh, it was taken out of context. And when he start focusing down the middle on we have a D.C. problem, a Washington, D.C. problem, and that's the only way we're going to fix it. And that's hard to do in, in today's world. Right. But it's, it's supply chain. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Greg. Supply chain professionals don't tell politicians how to run a campaign or to or to run a, a government. Right. Right. That's right. Politicians should not tell supply chain people mm. how to run supply chain. You got to follow the money. Right. Uh, we're well, well, you know, stay in your lane, stay in our lane. Also, but stay, both of those. <laughs> right. But, you know, yeah. uh, Billy, you, you mentioned a second ago that transformation. You know, we, we um, you know, it's been said time and time again, countlessly, you know, folks find their way to D.C. and then they find their way to stay in D.C. Absolutely. And, um, you know, there's very few winners outside of uh, the, the the belt line there when when that's in, in my view uh, when that's the case. But we'll save that for another yep. another date and time. You know, it's got, it, I'm gonna, it's one of my mother's Billyisms that I've stole before, and she says, "Be careful when they go." Greg says, "Know your lane." She says, "Because son, you can be right or you can be dead right." Mm. Okay, <laughs> if you're dead right, you're not around to tell anybody. Right? Yeah, so you right. want to focus on doing right. And, and, and more so being right. Yeah. Get things done. I love it. We got to interview Miss Taylor at some point in time, Billy. That'd be, that would be a lot of fun. And by the way, Julia, uh, this is a great point here. Maybe the private sector has to communicate with government. We talk about collaboration, supply chain. So why doesn't that extend to government? I don't, I don't, I don't think. Billy mentioned that earlier. Yeah, right. exactly. N none of it. Yeah. All of us are not about, um, let's don't collaborate, let's keep a, a, a strong separation. There's got, communication is how, how we bridge all of these issues, but it is, um, it's how it's done, I think, is, is what we're all maybe speaking to. Um, okay. Supply chain is not a sound bite. That's, oh, I mean, Greg, that's a that's good one. The important, that's like, that's the like important thing to understand. Miss Taylor esque with that one, Greg. <laughs> Supply chain is not a sound bite. Folks, that, that really is really good. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay. 
So uh, we're going to wrap. We're going to switch gears. i got 12.55. got a couple minutes. Uh, I had a, uh, I'm coming off a high this weekend, uh, as Greg was alluding to. We've done a lot of our remote production, but we're easing back into in-person uh, interviews and content creation and whatnot. And, yes, they are capturing that. That's definitely uh, it's one of the great T-shirt-isms today. Um, so I visited Greg and Billy. I visited uh, Galveston, Texas over the weekend. Right, I joined up with uh, our dear friend uh, Kevin L. Jackson. And a couple things here. Uh, you may not know, first off, you may not know on a map where Galveston is, if you're maybe bad geographically like I am. But you're, it's right there in the Gulf of Mexico. And I believe, you'll have to check me on this, I believe it's the oldest port in uh, the Gulf of Mexico, which surprised me a little bit. But regardless, it's also the birthpa- uh, birthplace of Juneteenth which celebrates the emancipation of all slaves here in the U.S. Specifically, there you see on the left-hand side, that's a U.S. custom house that was built in 1861, and it's where Juneteenth was born in 1865. Uh, It was one of the last places that General Order Number 3 reached um, during that that part of our nation's history. So Kevin and I, and I've got a great snapshot here. Let's see here. Um, Kevin and I, we sat down. And conducted a special Digital Transformers episode recorded on-site at the Custom House. It included interviews, uh, Greg and Billy, with our friend Tim Nelson, CEO of Hope for Justice, right? Uh, They're on a noble mission to eradicate slavery globally and human trafficking globally. It also included, you see there to the left, you see me on the right and Kevin in the middle. And then on the left-hand side, that is Doug Matthews, a.k.a. Mr. Juneteenth. is his literal nickname there in Galveston. He's been advocating for this special holiday for 43 years, 43 years. And he is as salt of the earth as they come. Uh, I wish I could share more of his story. He was a very humble individual, but he also serves as a deacon in the Catholic church. I didn't realize it took you six years, six years to work your way into earning the ability to serve as a volunteer like that. I had a great conversation uh, with Kevin and Doug. So stay tuned. Um, we don't five minutes isn't enough to cover this this venture to Galveston. So much history, uh, and and just stepping into this custom house, Greg and Billy, Kevin was walking me around. They've got some really big, big plans. They're gonna um, they're gonna open up um, a modern day, like a very digital version of a, of, a, of a Juneteenth museum in the birthplace right there in Galveston, right in the custom house. Uh, so we're gonna touch on that on an episode that's gonna drop on June twenty seventh on Digital Transformers. So y'all check that out. And I uh, just had a wonderful time with our friends uh, Kevin, Doug, and and the whole gang. So that brings us. So Galveston produced Rachel Taylor too. That's my wife. So she's from Galveston. Oh really? really? So wow. So I'm familiar with that whole setup. <laughs> so I went to college right down the street at Prairie View A and M. An HBCU, and um, yeah. so I'm, I'm familiar with everything you talked about, and it's enriched in that that culture, that Southern culture, Juneteenth. So, thanks, man, sir. Billy. I should you and the great, greatest wide receiver to ever live <laughs> came from Prairie View. That's A&M. right. And the older I get, the better I was. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, Did you play with Jerry Rice by any chance? No, he graduated the year. That when I came in, he was leaving at Mississippi oh. Valley State. Mm, man. Well, all right, we're going to have to compare notes on Galveston. It was my first trip there. And, of course, it wasn't, um, it, you know, going for basically a day and a half. You can't, you miss a lot, right? 
Um, but so much history. The architecture throughout the city is so fascinating. The Opera House, which I didn't have a chance to go into, uh, but we're going to be back. We're going to be back. And Billy, me and you and Greg will have to go back, uh, uh, bring our families and and celebrate when the museum opens. Uh, uh, Kevin and his team are doing some really cool things. So, um, all right. Really, a couple quick comments, and we're going to make sure folks know how to connect with Billy and Greg. Uh, T-Squared is borrowing from uh, Procter & Gamble here. Connect and develop anyone? Reference to government and private sector collaboration. Good point. Sylvia says, reuse, repurpose, and refrain from buying foolishly. We can all do our part. <laughs> She's making peach jam. Uh, let's see here. Julia says, due to crisis, people heard about the supply chain the first time. We need to, to do more in terms of educating people. Julia you're right up our alley. That was really the genesis behind supply chain now, right? Way back when, 10 years ago, when, when you go back to its truest roots, it's about spreading that awareness. So I can't agree with you more. And thanks for making that comment. Uh, Dennis, thank you. you. You must be in Texas. We had a great time there flying into uh, the, the hobby airport um, in Houston. Uh, yeah. And then finally, Sheldon says politicians are focused on their political cycles. They don't have a long-term outlook. Strangely, this long-term outlook allows China, as bad as they are, we'll tip it hat to Greg maybe, to make plans that have long-term impact. They plan in chunks of 20 or 30 years. In the West, we plan in chunks of four to five years. The short shelf life of politicians lead to self-serving, never the long-term best interest of the nation. Folks, I, I think that is brilliant, Sheldon. Uh, yeah, Greg and Billy, I think y'all agree. We need to we need to carve that out and share that uh, as we share some of these t-shirtisms that, that come out of the cheap seats. Um, not, never enough time. Never enough time. Billy, we didn't mention. I'm not sure if we can publicly mention the great other project you've got. Uh, uh, can we can we say something about that? Yes, it's officially out there now on Amazon and everywhere now. The Winning Link, the book? Yes. All right. So wonderful. So we've got the Winning Link podcast and, of course, the Winning Link book. So y'all check that out. You, you know, you, everyone's had a chance, at least from our in our ecosystem, Billy, over the last uh, year or so. Imagine a full book of his brilliance. So check that out, the Winning, winning Link, wherever you get your books from. And, Billy, how can folks connect with you? Uh, LinkedIn is the best place for me. I'm constantly monitoring my LinkedIn and I personally respond back to all of the people that reach out to me. So I have no one managing social media. Look, man. Okay. Whoa. Busy. Impressive. <laughs> no kidding, isn't it? All right. So, Greg, love these chats uh, with you and me and Billy. Uh, Greg, yeah. I love your commentaries. Uh, you're, you're, you're creating so much uh, uh, dialogue, which has to happen, whether we're talking supply chain or anything else. And I love your take. Again, you, you offer up a take. You and Billy both offer up takes as you share, uh, and it changes how folks are looking, I think, at some of these developments across industry. You publish those su supply chain commentaries Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on LinkedIn, right? Correct. Unless LinkedIn uh, cuts off you know, your connection that allows you to post it at first, which it did today. So apologies to anyone who was looking forward to it. The newsletter still comes out. I have a newsletter, Your Day in Supply Chain, that comes out. Uh, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday with a number of articles, not just the ones that get commentary on, on LinkedIn. So you can subscribe to that. I should be better about putting the link in the articles, but I tend to use all 3,000 characters <laughs> for the commentary. <laughs> it's true. Very true. But it's, it's goodness. It is goodness uh, down to the last uh, drop, as Folgers, I think, used to say. They may still do. I don't know. Right. Um, hey, really quick. 
it's, it's never too late to get a shout out in uh, Tanja, Tanja maybe, uh, from Louisiana via LinkedIn. Welcome. You can check out the whole replay uh, via YouTube or any other social channel over the next couple of hours, the video replay. And of course, the podcast version of this replay of this conversation here today will drop on Supply Chain Now on Thursday of this week, I believe. And Lucille, thank you for that. Love spending my afternoons with you guys. Thank you from Toronto, Can- uh, uh, Ontario. Yeah, thank you. That's a wonderful city. We look forward to being there soon. You need to get temperature reports from theirs, <laughs> but please convert to Fahrenheit. <laughs> That's right. That's all we ask. No math around here. No, no, no more math <laughs> yeah, than what's, right. what's required. We don't do the metric system here. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, world. That's right. Sorry, world. Well, Greg. Us in England. <laughs> Greg White. Billy Ray Taylor, thank you all both for uh, another uh, really fun episode of The Buzz. Uh, I've got my 17 pages of notes from both of y'all. And what a bunch of great comments and takes from Cheap Seats uh, all morning. Um, Big thanks again to Amanda, Catherine, and Chantel behind the scenes, helping to make things happen from a production standpoint. Clay uh, Diesel made an appearance here today as well. Uh, Folks, whatever you do, hopefully we'll see you next week. Again, The Buzz comes at you every Monday at 12 noon Eastern time. And again, it's not just what we think. We love getting your take uh, from the comments here. So, but whatever you do, you, you, we've got to act on this this knowledgeable goodness we're getting from our panel here and from everybody in the cheap seats. And it's all about deeds, not words. And to that extent, on behalf of our entire Supply Chain Now team, Scott Luton challenging you to do good, to give forward, and to be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time right back here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.